Hello, and welcome to makers.dev episode number 95, 95 being the best version of Windows ever made. Chris, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Uh, 95 was the first version of Windows that I ever had, and yeah, it was awesome. Cool. It's all, down, all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was peak computing. <laughs> yeah. It's all, all this AI stuff and all, ah, blah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you need more than Word? Um, <laughs> I remember my cousins growing up had a PC, and this was before my family had a computer that I'm pretty sure ran Windows 95. And we would go to their house, and I would just, I would just be like, "Oh my God, this is the cool, this is the coolest thing ever! How do, <laughs> I, how do I get one of these?" And I, I would like at Christmas, I would like find these magazines that had computers listed in them, and I would circle a bunch of computers and like leave it out in conspicuous places. <laughs> and, uh, and then my family got their first computer when I was, I think, I think seven or eight. It was a, a Bondi Blue iMac G3, and that just became my new best friend, and I. <laughs> Spent so much time on that, learning all about how to, like, take pictures of myself with a digital camera. This came later, and like cut out my head and then put it on a on a dollar bill and then <laughs> print it out. <laughs> so I like, made my own currency. And, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, what was your first computer? Uh, it was uh, just a Windows ninety five, some you know computer that my dad bought. That was it. it didn't have a name it wasn't cool like my friend i remember got a gateway 2000 that was a cool computer back then Ooh. and uh other things but no this was just a no-name computer did you find yourself just immediately gravitating towards it like yeah could, could you use it i i think i was in a weird position where like i quickly became the family expert in how to use the computer yeah yeah so i played games on it i yeah i spent a lot of hours on that computer and yes became the expert quickly <laughs> yeah cool <laughs> um, i think i think your erv just is that is that the right word erv e that that's actually just my ac oh i hear a fan. Much, okay much more boring yeah okay. uh hopefully we can i'll i'll see if i can filter that out later yeah. otherwise it'll shut off in like five minutes okay cool. um how did last week go? Where, your first full week of Googling. You're a, you're right. a Googler. You're Googling. I know you can't talk a lot about it, but I'd love to just know how you're feeling about it. How, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. First full week on the job. Um, it is a lot of training and reading and meeting people and the, coming into any big company, uh, especially one that's, you know, like Photos has been around since 2013 or something. I don't know. So there's a lot of context and there's a lot of just stuff that i have to download into my brain so um yeah uh that's what i've been doing <laughs> i really haven't done any real work uh and i'm sort of uh overwhelmed at the amount of stuff that i have to learn but um so mm. far it's going really well like everyone's been super helpful and giving me all the you know documents and everything that i need and yeah so i'm learning a bunch of stuff cool the the skills that you're learning are just like how to survive in google how to how to be communicating that that, that sort of thing would apply to any role that you had at google yeah well there's two there's the google specific stuff and there's then there's like the the team i'm on which is photos mm -hmm. um so i have to learn about both of those things yeah so i'm yeah i have doing training for both of those things i mean not yeah just doing reading and, and watching and videos and stuff gotcha yeah. that sort of bureaucracy i get really frustrated with because i'm like I just, like especially transitioning from working on your own like I imagine there's policies in place that make sense for a company. You want to have standard procedures and be able to have things that are consistent. But as soon as I encountered a rule that I didn't feel like <laughs> made sense to me, I would just feel so frustrated. I'd be like, this is, this is baloney. I, 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 you know, you, you don't trust me to just like, you know, do things the way I've been doing them. Um, how are you feeling about that? Yeah. I mean, so far so good. We'll, we'll see when I get into actual work. Like I, um, I knew what I was getting into mostly, you know, and so like I knew this was going to be a big company with, you know, specific rules and you, you can read a lot about the different internal rules and procedures and stuff online. And so I did. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm glad that. So before mm, a year ago or something, I started a contract. Uh, I think we talked about this and I, I was very uh, immediately aware that I didn't want to we working on that project like mm. uh, I, I had been doing my own stuff before that i got on that project and i was like oh this is not great um coming into google i don't feel that at all which is great <laughs> so I, I think i was i was prepared and i knew what i was getting into and um yeah so i'm just excited to get going there there is i mean to be sure there's process and a lot of you know things that you don't have to do normally when you're uh 
you know, a solo de developer. But uh, mm. I guess knowing that that's part of the the deal made it easier to transition to that. Yeah, makes sense. Um, have you interacted with the people who you'll be primarily working with? Um, a little bit. I'll do more over the coming, you know, weeks and stuff. So the, a lot of okay. the f- initial week is like like you talked about Google specific training. So yeah. Okay. Good vibes from them. Feel like yeah. you can work. Okay. Yeah, so far. I mean, like everybody I've met has been super, super nice and friendly. Yeah. Cool. When do you, uh, when do you get that first Google paycheck? (laughs) Uh, end of the month, I guess. Yeah. End of the month. End of this month. Like, like in a week. Okay. Uh, yeah. Every, I mean, every two weeks. Right. So yeah. End of the month. Um, All right. Yeah. (laughs) That that also, that also makes it much easier to to stomach any, any bureaucracy. (laughs) No, I'm getting paid by the hour for it or whatever. That'll be, uh, that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Are you excited? You gonna you gonna buy a boat or something stupid? Uh, uh, no, I, th- I think we talked about this before too. Oh, this kind of transition to the next thing too, which is like, uh, whenever uh, I get a bunch of money, it's like you know people ask, "What are you gonna do with it?" Uh, like I don't know, live, <laughs> buy groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. haven't had a paycheck for a while. I've been doing my own thing, so uh, yeah, this is going into the bank. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very responsible of you. I think I told the story of uh, what I want money at a hackathon, and they asked me the same question. I was like, "I'm gonna buy groceries, dude." Yeah. Like, I, I just, I just need money. Uh, yeah, cool. That, that's a good transition though, because I just got paid for my Kaggle win. So yes, yep, I got money in the bank. So congratulations. Yeah, did the presentation last week, and uh, they paid the next day. So yep, the next day. That's good. Yeah. How was the presentation? How was the How was the experience of like talking to other people that had gone through this journey with you and solved these arcane problems? Yeah, that was neat because so we got to talk to the um, competition organizers and then there were four of us. Um, one of the people couldn't make the time. Um, and this is also apparently the first panel competi- or panel winner's call they've done. Usually they do one winner at a time. Um, and we sort of talked about this. Most winner's calls are like, here's my model. Here's what I did. Here's how you can run it. And so there's actually a lot of material to cover hmm. um, for it to be useful for the competition organizers. This one was way different because there was no real model. Like it was just us solving challenges. And so Mm -hmm. they mostly wanted to know, they wanted to hear about a few of the challenges that we, either the ones we liked or the ones we thought had a good solution or whatever. Like, so Mm -hmm. that was what the presentation was. And then there were a lot of questions like, you know, what would you do different next time? How did you find Mm -hmm. this aspect or that aspect? Um, So yeah, it was was neat uh, meeting the people who uh, won and also uh, hearing what they had to say. Um, it was also kind of funny because one of the other four people also joined Google after the competition had ended. Oh, uh, so, cool. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the, the, uh, the Kaggle person on the phone said, uh, I swear this is not a Google recruitment tool or anything. It's <laughs> yeah. just how it works That's out. funny. You both, uh, you both slid in like right at the last minute to be able to, yep. to get the prize money. That's cool. Yep. <laughs> I yeah, guess it's, yeah. a, it's a small world of like AI people that, yeah, Google is one of the people who would be trying to slurp up people with AI experience. Yeah, which is why they bought Kaggle, really. I mean, they want to be known as, you know, a, a center for AI. And so, um, and Kaggle's a very public, you know, way to do that. So, yeah. um, I also figured out how to participate in Kaggle competitions now. Uh, I can't win, uh, but I made sure, you know, like, I read all the things. And uh, so, yeah, I could participate, but I, I can't win prizes. Uh, so, mm. I started another Kaggle competition. So Wonderful. Uh, yeah. So, there's one about gravitational waves, which is really kind of cool. Okay. Uh, so it's like uh, detecting gravitational waves, which is super hard because they're super low magnitude. And so you basically have a bunch of noise um, and you have to pick out these very, very faint signals. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I started that one. That's exciting. Cool. To, to like sense things happening across the galaxy, the waves of like a supernova exploding or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Neat. That's where does that data come from? Are there like <laughs> gravity? Me- how do you measure gravity waves? Uh, so uh, there is, uh, <laughs> you, you, um, you shine lasers across really, really long distances, okay. um, like a kilometer, okay. um, and then they bounce off things and then you measure, uh, how much the things move. I think that's my current understanding. So, so presumably, so if there are no waves, you're just going to get, it's just going to be always the same distance apart. The light's going to take exactly the same amount of time Yes. to get across. But if there's waves in space-time across the dimension that the that the light is moving then that that distance is going to expand and contract because space-time is expanding and contracting so you'll be able to see differences in the amount of time it takes the light to travel that what should be a fixed distance 
Yeah, something like that is my understanding. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's that's cool. You're yeah. just you're you're a spaceman doing cool spaceman stuff. <laughs> you're doing GPS stuff, and you're solving like the big problems of the universe with a big old computer brain. It's uh, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so far, I'm terrible at it, but hopefully that improves. <laughs> no, you, you've been here before, and then you become an expert at it, and pretty soon you're going to know everything there is to know about gravity waves. You'll you'll buy a textbook about gravity waves. <laughs> that's cool i'm I'm glad also that like there is still room like like even in onboarding that they're uh onboarding in google which i would think is like a unusually busy time because it's like segments in time of uh you're you're not the first person to get onboarded and it sounds like they they have a pretty tightened down ship of how they onboard people um so i would think they're just like working you as hard and consistently as they can and I, I guess there might be other busy times if there's like a, a big project or something to do. But even in this busy time of being onboarded, that that there is still time and room and space in your life to be able to do these fun projects and uh, continue the masters and, and continue the, the AI stuff. I think this is a good balance of uh, time allocation for you at this point in your life. Yeah. Well, and so uh, more than one person has said, and I've read online too, like uh, at big companies at Google, there's like basically an unlimited amount of things you could be doing. And Mm -hmm. so it's it's up to you to actually say no, like to to manage your time and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, so I just, that that is something I have to be watchful for is to not take on too many things. Cause yeah, Mm -hmm. like you can basically take on stuff until you're working like crazy. So, um, but everybody also recognizes that people are gonna say no at some point and so mm-hmm. like since everyone knows that uh, it actually seems like a really healthy place yeah okay yeah that's interesting i could i could see myself falling for the trap of just saying yes to too many projects and feeling an obligation and feeling like well they're paying me so much money like i gotta feel like i'm working for it and then uh yeah that that would be difficult to to say no to, to new projects and like know what my what my limits were hmm. cool i have that problem in my own life right now actually so I guess it would be the same sort of problem. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you when you were in the discussion for the prize money for that calculating competition, did the topic of that one question that no one got came up? Yeah. I mean, um, they wanted to know how we felt about it and stuff. Um, yeah. And like, I, I, I think most people, myself included, actually thought it was, it wasn't bad that it didn't uh, get solved necessarily because it was right on the cusp of being able to be a differentiator between the win, you know, the winners and, um, like, like for the win- the prize money. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is without that, or if, if every question is relatively easy, then mm-hmm. it becomes a real race. And so whoever has the most time to dedicate as soon as the competition comes out is the winner, mm-hmm. which is not really what they are wanting to test. And so, um, there's actually some discussion that maybe there should be more questions that are a little less specified or yeah. even more difficult. Um, or really, it would be really like nice if they eliminated the race aspect in some way. And so one way is to have these sort of super difficult questions. Another way is to have questions where like you get graded on how many, t- like you get more points if you take fewer requests before you have the answer, for example, hmm. or okay. you like, so there are, there might be ways to um, eliminate that race aspect as well. But uh, yeah. And also I putting the pres- presentation together, I realized that crop two which was that final problem is the one that i learned the most on um because i took the longest to uh to not find a solution um and i tried so many different things and so i i actually you know i actually learned a ton of stuff even though i didn't solve it yeah Um, yeah i like the framing of having questions that went unsolved is actually good because now that's a you know someone new to the competition can go in and see like oh what's the use of trying because everyone has already solved every problem except if i'm able to solve this one that no one else has solved i immediately jump to first place so yeah if there were if there were five questions like that that no one was able to solve um yeah maybe maybe you have some leaders who are able to solve one and not the other like i I could see that working well the potential solution of uh, grading the number of attempts that you make seems like it's very easily gamified because i would just make two accounts and I would just make all my attempts on account A, and then I would instantly get it on, on account B, which would be cheating. But I, do they have a way to, to so, figure so that out? That's explicitly against the rules, and they are, as far as I understand, very good at detecting that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I guess, I guess I'd be submitting the same code to each one, so they'd be able to see how similar it was. And then that would also solve for 
if I steal someone else's code or if someone else is, is cheating with me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. What a fun problem of like how to make a game that right. uh, limits cheating and that is incentivizing the things that you wanted to incentivize. And uh, yeah, that's, it's really cool. That's a, it's a fun thing you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I like Kaggle. It's just cool. <laughs> it's neat. And you're learning along the way. Yeah. Sarah last week had surgery on her oh, knee. No. And uh, yes, and it, it, like we know about it for for months. I don't think I've talked about it on this uh, on the podcast before, but uh, she did gymnastics as a kid really intensely. It was like 30 hours a week as a child that she was doing this for years. And that's really tough on all your bones and especially your joints. And so uh, she noticed that her left knee, when she bent it, it would like click and like oh. lock up sometimes. <laughs> and she thought, oh, that's weird. And so went to go see a doctor and they took a scan of it and saw that there was an extra little bone in there, the right behind her patella. So the, the current theory is she broke off a sliver of her patella while doing gymnastics and then bone, I did not know this, can grow when it's just floating around in your body. So huh. this tiny little sliver turned into like a, a bigger piece of bone and then eventually became a problem. And uh, so the consensus was like, okay, this, this sh should be taken out because this is only going to cause you problems later. And uh, I was initially really worried about it because I was like, oh man, surgery to your knee, like that sounds really serious. Like, what if you're not able to walk again? And I'm thinking like, oh man, okay, well, I guess we could get like a cool wheelchair or we could get like an animatronic one and eventually we could get Sarah like a bionic leg when that technology is available. And uh, we were talking about this in therapy and her therapist was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, like, this is not that serious. This is fine. Like, yeah, yeah. have you ever had surgery before? And I, I had not. I had, I had uh, wisdom teeth taken out, but that was it. And she was like, it's it's fine. Like, it's, it's most likely just going to be totally okay yeah um so she had it and there was a there was a range of different things that they could do uh when they did the surgery uh from the easiest uh quickest simplest recovery was just like they were going to take the bone out uh and then the more complicated was if they took the bone out and it was attached to other stuff and it created this big empty space they might need to like graft more cartilage on they might need to drill into the bone to encourage more bone growth and that would have been like much longer and more complicated and uh i was really nervous the day of the surgery i went there with her and was uh, nervously waiting in the waiting room and uh, 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 <laughs> furiously, they have an app now where it like pushes you updates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was like, oh, you know, Sarah's in surgery. It's starting and uh, it's still going well. Sarah's, Sarah's feeling good. And then the, the one came in uh, that said like, ah, Sarah's all done and it went really well. And I was like, oh, thank God. Um, and then went to go back to, to see her and she was coming out of sedation and uh, was very lucid. And I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, no, no, like, no brain damage from, uh, from going under anesthesia. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it went like as well as it possibly could have gone, but that day was just written off of like, I, I had this fantasy that I was going to be working while I was waiting in surgery and I can't <laughs> like, no, it's no, yeah. I, yeah, uh, I was, I was too, too preoccupied with, uh, uh, feelings. Um, and so then I was like, okay, well I'll, I'll just take today off and then tomorrow I'll, I'll start working again. But then the next day is like all oh, this complicated new routines you got to get in and Sarah needed a bunch of help moving around and figuring out food and making sure there was stuff. And even though I, like I had time to be able to do stuff, but my mental energy was just drained by thinking of all these different things. And so I was like, okay, well I'll take today off also. And this will just be my weekend. I think it was like a Thursday, Friday, and then I'll work during the weekend. But then Saturday came and there was also some surgery stuff and I was distracted and uh, also just like in a bad mood. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a weird day. So I really didn't get anything done Saturday either. And then Sunday came and we were hanging out with family and I got a little bit of stuff done, but not, not a lot, but Sunday was yesterday and I, I finally started to like get back in the swing of things uh, yesterday. So uh, most of my last week was taken up with this surgery and I think that's okay. I think in the moment, I put a lot of judgment on myself of like, come on, you, you gotta get working. And uh, oh man, it was extra frustrating because I had this really cool opportunity come up uh, and I'm gonna be very careful not to mention names, but it is an author <laughs> of a book that I really enjoy, uh, reached out to me. I, I saw that uh, he or she signed up, they, I saw that they signed up for the Clipstop marketing list. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So I reached out to them right away and then they responded right away. And I was like, is this real? Like it's, it's the person's first name at the person's full name.com. And, uh, I was like, this, this has got to be like a prank, but it actually was the person. Like it was this, this famous author of this book that I really like. Um, so like sitting on that opportunity and sitting on stuff 
with file inbox and sitting on stuff that I can be doing clips.marketing. Um, at the same time, like feeling drained with energy, I think just put me in this funk of like, oh, there's, there's all these opportunities right here, but I just like don't have the energy to be able to like go after them and, and do anything with them. Uh, that felt really frustrating and I think caused me to, to spiral down a little bit, but in a very good place right now. Oh, one more thing. And this, I knew this was going to happen is co-working stopped. So that was like a disruption to my routine. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to do it anyway, but, uh, yeah, those, those things combined kind of caused the storm of, uh, that it was, it was difficult to push projects forward. And then I felt frustrated that projects weren't getting pushed forward. Uh, so that's, that's my primary update for last week. And then I have two other things I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, so yeah, surgery, like you're not going to get anything done, obviously. Um, yeah. also, I don't know if you intentionally said it this way or not, but you're like Saturday, I didn't get anything done and Sunday I didn't get anything done. And like, those yeah. are weekend days, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was thinking though, like, okay, I took Thursday, Friday off, so I'll work Saturday, sure. Sunday instead. Okay, yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I do the exact same thing. And so like, give ourselves some, you know, leeway. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which is like. Yeah, we, we have the same problem with personal projects. Like, there's an unlimited amount of things to do. Um, and so, if you're not doing stuff, then, yeah, I feel, like, bad about, uh, you know, free time, which is wrong. <laughs> like, you need to have some free time. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, get back on it this week. And, yeah, that's cool. Also, also awesome that someone signed up for Clipside Marketing. Like, this is yeah. unprompted. Is that, like, like totally random? Yeah, I, I don't know how they found it. And it was weird the way that I found this out so so i have an, an email beta list on the website yeah um and i was i was trying to fix a typo on the site just to push it out really quickly and uh or or no it was a it was react was saying that i couldn't use a, an html parameter uh mm -hmm. it was like a something dash something else and it wanted it to be camel case um so when i went to the spot to change that i saw that uh I saw the code for signing up for the email list and I was like, Oh, I forgot that I had an email list on there. I hope that's still working. Cause sometimes that server crashes. Yeah. So I went to the server to see and make sure the people were still signing up. And then I saw, and I have like, I think like 40 people that have signed up for the, the oh, wow. list. Yeah. For like early access. Um, and I don't know how they're finding Like I posted about it on Twitter, but I think that's the only place. And I saw the most recent person that had signed up was this famous author. Who's really cool. <laughs> and, and they had, they'd signed up like an hour before I was checking it. So it was really oh, like cool. serendipitous yeah. the way this, this whole thing happened. So like I have this author on it and I also have this list of 40 other people that I could potentially be reaching out to, um, that have, have signed up for it. Uh, so I, I wanted to ask you about the, thing that the author was asking about so this this cool. person has uh interviews on youtube that are long-form interviews and they also have a podcast and the podcast is is audio only and i think the thing that they're looking for is not necessarily like a tool to do this um but like a like a consultancy to do it for them where they just mm -hmm. pay them a certain amount of money uh probably in on the the order of magnitude of like three thousand dollars a month um to have their backlog of videos clipped and, and syndicated out um or maybe not even syndicated maybe maybe just uh, doing the clipping and i am enamored by this person uh, i think they're really cool i get it <laughs> side note like the audience for this i think has a lot better fit for me because i just yeah. get so excited talking to I people hear that. Yeah, like, yeah. these minor youtube celebrities i'm just like oh my god it's, it's this person for this book that i read um so i think the thing that they want is uh, a consultancy to do this and because I'm so enamored by this, like this, I'm not, I'm not seeing this as the core business model for Clipstop Marketing, but I do have software that makes this whole thing a lot easier. That's, you know, letting me do the work of several people with, uh, uh, but, but I'm probably going to be able to do this just on my own. I think I could probably be doing this for several channels at once before I felt like my bandwidth was limited. And then the person who I would hire is like a, a journalism student or something who's just able to find the interesting parts of the clip. They don't need to have any video editing experience. They don't need to have any design experience because that's all going to be handled by the software. Oh, and also no like social media experience. Um, and then I think I could also start doing stuff with uh, AI of like generating tweets based on the transcript. So the, the journalistic side of it would, would also be pretty straightforward. Um, what are your thoughts on also doing Oh, I think, can you hear that? I think there's yeah. someone. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, emptying, they're, they're emptying the dumpster outside. Dumpster, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine, that's fine. It's not that okay. loud. <laughs> this, is, this is the episode of Christian having dirty audio. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on 
how I might balance clips.marketing as subscription software, which is how I'd like to be making money with a consultancy. Uh, I'm, I think I'm just, I'm sort of unclear on like, do I just do it for this one person? Do I have like three tiers of the software and the third tier is we do it for you, but call me so that we can figure out a, a contract so that I can be doing this for multiple thousands of dollars a month. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I think this sounds like a really cool opportunity. Um, I would absolutely do it for them. Um, if you're talking like three grand a month, like that, you can do a lot for that and you can use your software to make your job, you know, easier basically, which yeah. is the whole point. Um, I don't know that I would advertise that you do it yet. Um, I would see how it goes basically with one person. Also, like you don't need to make any long-term decisions based on this, right? Just do, yeah. you know, do a month to month contract and, and, uh, and do it for a while. Yeah. I mean that, that, that sounds great. Like that's, that's what I would do for sure. Cool. Okay. I like that. Uh, it was weird thinking about this because I've never gotten paid for video editing. <laughs> so and yeah. that's, that's effectively what this would be. Um, so yeah, that, that feels cool. Um, yeah, it, it, Ah, oh, it's just I, I'm getting excited about it again. I had like I had like a bump in excitement, and then yeah, yeah. the surgery happened, and then yeah. I felt even worse because I wasn't able to like take advantage of it. But I'm I'm feeling good about it again now. Yeah. Um, I think that that also puts me in a really good position of making a software because I think when I'm using a thing that that is the fastest feedback loop for me to be improving it. Like if I'm using this thing every day, there's going to be little tiny things in it that I'm going to feel frustrated or annoyed by that then I'm going to smooth out right away. Um, and I think I'm very critical of that sort of software experience. So I think that would, that would lead me to the best SaaS product, uh, the, the quickest. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like the, when you're your own customer, then the, you know, the feedback cycle is super low. Um, yeah. Oh, super fast which is great um also like if you do want this to become a consultancy kind of thing like loads of people um do things like this right they they do it themselves first and it only takes a few you know if you get three or four clients paying three grand a month like that's awesome uh yeah. and then you can and then once the software is good enough you can start yeah hiring um you know people who can do this like in their off time or something but this is an awesome job for someone who wants to do probably you know, like a few hours a day or even a few hours a week um and uh so yeah like cool i actually i wouldn't mind running a business like that if it mm -hmm. was because i'm trying to get to 20k mrr right 20 so that's twenty thousand dollars divided by three thousand i need seven customers <laughs> sounds reasonable <laughs> yeah it does doesn't it and if i and then i could just hire someone yeah and what's a what's a person going to charge i think so my, my goal for the software is to get to the point where you can you can clip a video uh you you can clip an hour-long video in about an hour um and so i uh, you know i think i think roughly what this might look like is uh you you, you pay three thousand dollars for five clips a week that are social media optimized and have the transcript and everything else so i think i think it's it's going to be roughly like three usable clips per video uh that's an hour long so i think it's going to be roughly two hours of video that they have to go through to get five clips but let's say it's three hours let's say i gotta pay a person for three hours to make five clips a week so that's that's three hours uh a week per client times four weeks is 12 hours per client and i think the person i would hire i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm paying them 30 dollars an hour um, so three times four times 30 is $360. So my profit margin is like 90%. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Software's yeah. magical. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. That's, yeah, I would love to do that. Um, I've got my alma mater just like right down the street. Uh, I could probably find some journalism majors there that would do this and would be ecstatic to get $30 an hour and would probably do it for less. Uh, wonderful and then i can be adding like ai tools in it and making them even more efficient and effective uh yeah and it's students so like i could i could like put one in charge of each client or i could have one doing multiple clients and then they'd probably be even more effective maybe maybe this should just be a consultancy maybe i shouldn't even sell the software at all <laughs> it's possible yeah it is possible all right cool that would also sort of solve this problem i've been chewing on of like how do i import youtube videos in a way that is going to be scalable 
Yeah, you don't have to scale if you're charging three grand a month. No, I don't. And then if if my way to get YouTube videos breaks, like I just have to fix it with three people who I'm hiring. Okay, yeah, interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, cool. Okay. The the uh, last thing I want to talk about is oh well, there's two more things. I'll I'll just mention this one quickly. I had my very first co-working with someone who's not you this morning. Oh, how'd that go? Well, it wasn't the same. And, nah. I you. <laughs> and it went well. I think I think the core thing is just like that there is someone we yeah. joked before about like I could pre-record you know a video of you and how that like and that would probably also work. Um, so I I did find myself like just having having a meeting with someone uh at 9 30 and having this routine of like part of me feels responsible to the other person of like i need this other person to be having a good experience to be working uh so yeah i it, it was a great idea and uh i feel sad that uh your career has led you to a place where uh this doesn't fully fit in with your work schedule and uh i i have recaptured some of the benefit from it so uh it's bittersweet and it's it's working yeah yeah and i don't know about forever but yeah for sure right now like my schedule is completely up in the air every week right you know for the next whatever and uh so yeah i just i yeah co-working doesn't fit in right now and I, so i was worried too actually about losing co-working because that absolutely has helped me get work done too although the last few weeks uh i have been extremely uh non-committal on anything that you told me to do uh, <laughs> because i've been prepping like to get started uh, in my job um mm. and so i was worried like when i got started i was like will i be able to you know operate and whatever and uh so far it's been really good like i was worried i wasn't gonna I have the motivation or something i don't know and yeah. it's probably just because everything's new but like i am doing just fine and so that feels pretty good too um there's also like an unlimited amount of things. So I talked about there's an unlimited amount of tasks you could be doing, but there's also just a ton of stuff you can learn. So if there's, you know, like anything you want to learn about anything, you can probably find either someone to talk to or recording or, or some internal page or something. So, cool. um, yeah, there's learning is something I love to do. And so that has been cool also. Yeah. Cool. Good. Um, I, I guess, working for Google is accomplishing the same sort of thing as co-working that it's external accountability. You got, you got people yeah. who can just plop a new event on your calendar and, uh, people to, to report to. And like, I think that it's, it's a way to create that same sort of external accountability structure. So that makes sense to me that, um, the role of co-working hasn't felt necessary yet. Yeah. So we'll see, but so far so good. Cool. Last thing I would like to talk about. Uh, this, oh, this might be a shorter episode. Um, there is a small community that's uh, like an offshoot of the MicroConf group that I have been on and off a part of um, for the last few years. And I found out they were having a retreat in Austin coming up. And I was too late to sign up for the regular thing, but I said, okay, well, if there's, if there's another spot, uh, I'd love to take it. And like four days ago, someone reached out to me and was like, Hey, I can't go last minute. Uh, it's a thing with my kids and I would love to sell you my ticket at a discount. And I was like, great, uh, let's do it. So I've been working on doing that. And the format of this re retreat is really cool. It's so there's only about 19 people going and everyone has an hour to present. You can give as much context as you want in the beginning. And then you are supposed to frame some sort of a business question to the group the hive mind so that they can uh, think about it. And then the rest of your time for your hour is just talking about you and your problem. And so this has just got me thinking about like the, the I, I, I made this presentation that is turning into just like a timeline of my life of like, <laughs> here's, here's how I started file inbox and here's all the different things that I tried and uh, here's how it's going and really thinking deeply about what a fantastic opportunity this is. There's a lot of like really successful people in this group that are making so much more money than like is my goal of wanting to, make. <laughs> I want to get to 20 camera R and yeah, there's yeah. like, like, easily more than half of the people here are making that much money or more uh so like I'm, I'm seeing this as a really good opportunity to like juice their brains of okay what what do i need to be doing like give, give me clarity in, in the path that i'm that i'm going on um so my question for you is like how how might you frame where i am and 
what the specific question is that I want to ask. I think the question I want to ask is like, what's my best path to get to 20k MRR? And I think the the framing I need to give is like, here's currently where File Inbox is, and here's currently where Clips.Marketing is, and here are the marketing things that I've tried for both of them, and here's how those have turned out. Uh, how does that sound, and, and what what might you change? That sounds good. Um, I would... I would figure out what you want to learn about yourself or your business first and then sort of fill the story in from there. So when you talk about like you're giving up life story, um, I think if you give too much background context, like people might latch on to parts of those things. Mm. Um, I, I could be totally wrong. And maybe you just want to talk about your life story for a little bit to give background. This was like, also Sarah's feedback when she saw my, my drafts of my slides <laughs> last night. She was like, this is this is too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had a slide in there that was like, File inbox and custom marketing, and also every side project that I could possibly work yeah, on. Yeah, don't, do, don't do like, that. This is too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could have one bullet that's like, and I also have seventeen side projects, and I know that's a problem. Uh, so yeah. tell me to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could you could say that, but I won't list all the other ones. Okay. Um, yeah. So I would be. It, right now, it sounds like you want to figure out the path between clips marketing and file inbox. Um, so I would definitely lay out those two things and, and a little bit of the background but yeah i would be very succinct in what you want feedback on and very clear about what you think you want to get out of it um, that'd be my feedback okay okay let me, can i try can i try to give that succinct story to you right now and sure okay so I, I, here, here's where i think i am i have this sas called file inbox that I started right out of college. And I started it as a product for myself just to send myself files. And it got picked up by some media outlets about a year after I made it for myself and got a whole bunch of traffic. And I didn't know what to do with the traffic because I didn't understand how internet businesses work. So I put like a, a donate button on it. And I think like 10 people donated. And hearing about stuff that Patrick McKinsey was doing uh, and how you could make serious money online uh, and getting all these emails of people asking for new features. I recoded the app in Rails and uh, implemented the features and put them behind a paywall. I charged $30 a year and $100 a year and I had a free tier. And the first day I had $300 worth of people sign up. And the first month I got like $800 in uh, MRR. Um, and then the first year I got up to like 8k MRR and the whole time, the only thing I was doing was like coding and like implementing features that people asked me to do. I didn't know where they were coming from. I didn't understand how they were finding me. Uh, I think I, I still, I'm not totally sure, but I think it was from like one post that I made on the Dropbox forum and, uh, these, these new news articles that had, had picked me up, um, TechCrunch and Lifehacker and, and, uh, CNET, I think wrote about it. And then about, a, uh, well, uh, so around the year mark, around like the height of the, the income when it was making about 8K MRR, uh, Dropbox reached out to me and they were like, hey, uh, we would love to recommend your product as like a, a thing specifically for educators, but we just need this one thing changed. Like we need you to change your logo because it looks too much like the Dropbox logo. And I was like, oh yeah, fine, good. And six months after that email, Dropbox announced their own version of file inbox called Dropbox file requests. And I just felt crestfallen. And I was like, well, I guess I should work on the next thing. And looking back on my notebooks from that time, uh, I, I was thinking a whole lot about like what the next project was going to be and still pushing file inbox forward. But the only way that I knew how to push it forward was to implement new features. I, I did not know how to do marketing. I didn't know where people were coming from or, or how to do that. And if you look at the graph of MRR, it's like a really sharp rise up to 8K. And then it's just a steady drop off where it just, it just slowly sinks down to from like 8K to like, I don't know, four or 5K. And I went to like two or three different microconfs in that time and I kept hearing like, you need to charge more and uh, yeah, I people would give me all sorts of ideas of like uh, niching down or, or having pages per uh, vertical or something and I, I it just didn't really latch on. But there was one problem that I was able to solve which was uh, people who had subscriptions that uh, had become expired uh, still had free access to the software. So I was like, okay, well, that's a problem. Uh, so, you know, at the very bottom of that, when, the, you know, it hit like 4K, I fixed that problem. And then MRR jumped up and then it 
uh, because of some billing, uh, the way they measured it, and then it went back down. But it, it went up by like, I don't know, $1,000 a month. Um, so it went back up to five or six K. And then it slowly started going down again. And I think during this time I was like focused on other projects and I still didn't really know how to market or, or what marketing was. Uh, and I had a little tiny blip in there where I focused on SEO and writing new pages. And then I sort of lost interest in it again and then let it meander for a while. And then just recently, a few months ago, I started like really focusing on what marketing is. Um, and, and like consistently doing SEO stuff and doing more experimentation with uh, Google ads. And it's it's slow, like I, I reversed I reversed the trend. It, it was slowly sinking down and now it's slowly rising up again. Uh, so that's where File Inbox is. And I think my frustration with it is that I feel disconnected from the audience and I still haven't found a marketing channel where I feel like I have traction. But I do have a disproportionate advantage in SEO because of the way that I set up the, the embed links. Uh, that's the story of file inbox. How, how does that sound if I was giving that to this, uh, this group? Uh, that was, that was a little narrative-y, but I think it's okay. You have an hour. And so taking, I mean, that only took five minutes or something. And so, um, yeah, that, that didn't include your whole life story. And so I think that's great. Uh, do your slides include a lot more of your life story? (laughs) Uh, there's a lot more pictures. So like each, each of those each of the graphs of like the MRR going, I have a I have a slide of the pictures, and I've got like little screenshots of the of the right, right. articles and things, and uh, yeah, I get it's more of a story of file inbox. It's less of it's less of my life story. Uh, yeah, yeah, which might be okay. Like, but I would I would also have a slide before that that's like this is what I'm going to do, and so make sure they know I have t- these two th- paths that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about. I have this one, uh, so I'm going to tell you the story of how this came about and what I've sort of tried and where I'm at, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to. I assume tell the story of of Clipstop marketing, right? Also, yeah, that's a good way to frame it. Okay, so yeah, the, so so I think that I would leave it there and say like this, and oh, and and like you know maybe here are the Google ads that I've tried, uh, here are the SEO articles that I've written, um, here are the terms that people can Google for that. Oh, oh, and then I, I want to talk about file sending. That like this is a recent experiment. Uh, file sending traffic is like twenty times what file receiving traffic is. Um, but I don't yet know how to convert that traffic. Uh, I, I ran that experiment for like a week and got zero customers out of it. But I, I do think that there's something there that I can like get, get users for, for three to six cents a click. Yeah. Um, I wonder it's, it's too bad. You can't like see what, how other people approach this before you like write your whole presentation. Um, because mm-hmm. I wonder if it's better to lay out like so that would be like then 10 minutes of file inbox stuff and then clips mm. marketing on the end of that or if you should have like a two minute version of what file inbox is a two mm. minute version of clips marketing then everything you've tried for file inbox and what you've tried for clips marketing um i don't know i would experiment with both of those structures okay i can see slides that other people have submitted uh, a cool oh. thing about this conference is like you you're you can post your slides ahead of time and then see what other people are doing. And then people are familiar with the, the presentation you're going to give okay. uh, before you give it. And the the rough format of what most other people are doing is like saying who they are and like uh, a picture of their family and uh, what they're like, where they currently are career wise and uh, what they like about it and what they don't like about it and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are and uh, what energizes them. And then like, framing some sort of a choice of like you know do i do i do more consulting or do i invest more in in doing a SaaS? um that's the that's the rough outline of the ones that i've seen so far okay do you know about how long the presentations are going to be versus the entire hour because you have a whole hour but presumably a lot of that's going to be questions and answers right yeah so i think it's really loosey-goosey i think it's it's up to you um i think i would like to target roughly 10 minutes for the presentation so if i do like roughly five minutes on file inbox and then I don't think I could talk about Clipstone marketing for five minutes. So I don't know, like a, a three minute outline of where that's at. And then sort of like a background of me as a person and where I am and like why it's important for me to get to 20K MRR so I can support a family while uh, keeping time flexibility of running a SaaS. I, I really like yeah. that. Um, my guess is based on what you just told me taking five minutes, my guess is the whole thing will take 15 or 20 minutes then because okay. if you're gonna add on file sending as well, which, which I think is okay, like 20 minutes I don't know. I'm sure people can ask 40 minutes of questions, but um, uh, the other thing I would have to support that much, that many questions or that like much back and forth is um, mm-hmm. if the conversation goes sort of stale, have a list of sort of conversation pickup topics or something. That's a good idea. 
like a list of things that you are interested in talking about so you can always pick one up yeah. cool yeah I could have just like a grab bag of questions of yeah like like the question of how to balance Clipstop marketing as a product versus as a consultancy how do I how do I think about that um, also like should I hire a developer is a question I've been chewing on because that would help me move faster in the development of the Clipstop marketing stuff it but might then I think that'd be a, a longer term or it investment. might not yep yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially if you're going to do it as a consultancy I, I wouldn't hire a developer at all yeah okay yeah because then I think I think I could do all the software work and then if I don't have enough time I think I need to hire people to do the clipping stuff first because those people are, are going to be cheaper okay yep cool is there a question I should be asking them that I'm not thinking of something I'm, like a life direction thing I what, what I don't want to do is get there and be like how do I get to 20k MRR and and they all look <laughs> yeah. at me and they're like dude like you just you go there and also and you just what, do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or or like you know that's I don't want to go there and, and be asking like how do I make more money yeah. I guess that it, that is a good question though because that's uh, that, that could, is what you, I want to know and they do know how to get there hmm so one thing I always uh, find uh, with stuff like this is if you ask stuff like, what should I do with my life? Then people are going to give you answers and then you're just going to ignore them and do whatever you want anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So the better advice, I think, is something like uh, for you, the audience, right? For you, 19 people, uh, if you had a SaaS and then you started a consultancy, what things did you regret or what things do you wish you did better or or something like that? So okay. Uh, give them permission to talk about their own experience and how they feel about it because um, that's always where I feel like I get the most information um, because mm. like if you just say like should I start a consultancy people are going to give you answers and you're not going to have any information about why they're talking like that like what their background is um, yeah. and then in the end you're just going to ignore it and do whatever you want anyway I think yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah that's uh, if you can have any and so like for, for file inbox too if you can say like you know, so, you know, if you were stuck and, you know, you had some SEO traffic and you didn't know what to do next, uh, then what did you do and, and how did it turn out? Yeah, um, yeah. That's the type of thing that I think will give you the most information, as a guess. I like that. Framing, framing it as either either have have you been in a situation like this and what did you do to get out of it? Um, have, you, have you had a SaaS that you were just struggling to grow, that you felt disconnected from the audience? Uh, and, and then and then you figured out a marketing channel and, and a, a way to grow it. Uh, please tell me about that story. Um, yeah. The or other like, what can, are, what are things that you would suggest for me in this position? Yeah. The the other thing you can ask for is totally factual things like, what sites should I use to find keywords, or you know, what mm. keywords should I do for whatever. Um, so that's not like you know, those aren't subjective statements. Those are just objective things like, you know, what ad do you think I should run to make this better. <laughs> And yeah. then I can suggest an ad um, versus what what should I do with my life, which is very open-ended and, and yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Some, something I've noticed happening too is even just the exercise of putting this presentation together to frame mm. a question, I found a lot of the answer just becomes very obvious. Like the hard part is yeah. framing the question. <laughs> um, and then once I, once I sort of get it out there, it just feels totally clear of like, oh, of course, I should just spend some time on file inbox and i should spend some time on clips on marketing and then whichever one succeeds first uh great <laughs> then i just i keep working on that one more um so that that sort of answers this question of like what should i be working on um but then i do i do feel like there's a legitimate question of like i feel stuck yeah. in what to do to grow file inbox do i just keep grinding on this seo game like i am seeing some things happening from that sometimes sort of um and I have a lot of ideas for other marketing channels I could be doing, but it doesn't feel like there's an obvious one to to start working on. And I know that the, the traction model is just like <laughs> pick one that seems yeah. the most promising and spend $1,000 in a month experimenting with it and, and see what traction you can get from that um, and then keep going forward with that. But I feel, like, I feel like following that model, I should probably be looking at how to monetize the traffic for file sending. But then I think, 
I, I'm, I'm stuck in this place of like the file senders I don't think are the audience that's currently using file inbox. So is that okay? Should, should I just start a brand new audience or should I be, should I assume that there's going to be some overlap? Um, maybe what I'm looking for is just for, for someone to like reframe what my situation is with more clarity. <laughs> like, so it sounds like you got this thing and you're making this much money from it. So you should just do that. Uh, and then I'll be like, Oh yeah, of course. Um, okay. I'm really excited for it. I love this frame of a conference. Like there have been some micro camps I've gone to where I, I walk away with, you know, feeling really excited and hearing a lot of cool success stories and having some cool tactics, but it just kind of fizzles out when I get home. Like it doesn't feel actionable and sitting down and like having 18 people focused and all of their attention on me and whatever the problem is that I'm solving and putting myself in the mind space of like, I need to be able to, to present to this group of people what, what the core problem is that I'm struggling with um, feels really useful. Uh, feels very clarifying and framing the problem and feels like the, the end result of the conference is going to be like maximally uh, actionable. Yeah. I, I also think it'd be, it sounds really like it's going to be really great. And I also think probably half the people are going to have very similar problems. Like that's what you'll find. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. uh, but you'll find a lot of people with very similar questions that I, like I would go to this, even if I wasn't presenting just to right. hear what's going on. Uh, what, how other people are struggling. I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to learn a lot from it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's more authentic, right? It's like what people are actually struggling with and what their actual real problems are and people really honestly trying to help. Um, as opposed to, there are some talks I've seen at microcomp that feel very just like hand wavy, like look at me and how great I am. And I would love to give one of those talks because I think it would feel really good. <laughs> and I don't think I'd like, you're not that that doesn't feel as useful in helping people get from uh where they are to, to where they want to go um the more of the honest authentic like here's here's boots on the ground like what i'm currently struggling with and and how might you uh solve that problem feels a lot more authentically helpful yeah cool well i'm excited to hear your report thank you very much it won't be next episode but the episode after that cool. i'll uh have a nice juicy report for you and i need to finish my slides today too cool chris that's all i got that's all i got too then i'll see you next week goodbye <laughs>